Welcome to the Embrace with Grace podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Gonzalez-Lutz. I'm a wife and a mom, and my heart for this podcast is to encourage you to never settle for less than God's best when it comes to your life. From childhood wounds to bad relationships to loss, I'm here to tell you that you can be happy, whole, and healed no matter what life is thrown your way. You are never too far gone to experience God's best for your life. You just gotta embrace His grace. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I am, as you know by the title, I'm very excited and very passionate about this um, episode and this topic because I experienced a lot of shame um, in my past. And I think that a lot of people have. I just went to a women's night a few nights ago and Christine Kane spoke and she is so amazing. Something that I personally look for in a speaker or a podcast or especially people of faith is when I listen to them or after I'm done listening to them, um, their their revelation, their anointing, all of that, is it just like, ooh, that was good and I go about my day unaffected or is it someone that as soon as the thing is done or I might even have to pause it in the middle because I so... I'm so moved and my spirit is so compelled to get into the word and to pray and to get into the presence of God. Those are the kind of leaders I look for. Those are the kind of um, people I look for. I I pray that God uses me in that way for um, those of you who listen, that you're not just like, oh, this was good. But I I pray that you're moved to be like, wow, Lord, I want to get with you. I want to get to know you better. Um, so yeah, she basically, she, she spoke, it was a women's night. There was like probably over a thousand women there and, um, she spoke on shame and I'm at a place in my life where I have gotten so much healing from my past shame, um, due to different circumstances, some from childhood, some from my, you know, adulthood, um, dating, you know, things like that. And, um, the beautiful thing was sitting there, I was like, wow, I don't have any obvious areas that I feel like I need to tackle and get healing from. But what it did do is it caused me to remember how far God has brought me on my journey of shame. And it reminded me to pray for those of my friends, those of you listening, people who are still dealing with shame, because shame is, I think, the nastiest of all um, assignments against us, feelings, etc. And it started in the garden. The very first question in the Bible is in Genesis chapter three. Previously, God created man in his image. Man shouldn't be alone, created woman. Um, you can eat of the entire garden except for the tree in the middle. Then the serpent comes and finds Eve and says, did God really say that you can't eat from the tree. Like, did he really say that? And that's the way the enemy works, especially for those of us who are believers and are on a walk with God. We will hear something from God. We will know scripture-ish, but the enemy is right there to be like, well, did God really say, fill in the blank, did he really say you shouldn't have sex before marriage? Did he really say you shouldn't get drunk? Did he really say that you have to honor someone who was so rude to you? Did he really say you have to pray for this person? They've been talking about you. He always comes with the making you question yourself. He doesn't come out of the gate saying, God's a liar, because most of us would be like, excuse me. But he does tempt us to be like, did he really say? 
And if we're not in the word, if we're not in prayer, if we do not know the promises of God, if we do not know his heart for us and for his people, we are no match. We are no match for Satan without God. Jesus went to the cross. He died. He conquered death. He conquered it all. So in him, we're enough. But on our own, we are no match. We're just like a sitting duck. And so that's the first question is the enemy saying, did God really say that? She's like, well, and then there's a little bit more conversation. If you want to read it, it's in Genesis chapter three. Very interesting stuff. And so immediately after they eat, they feel shame. Right before that, actually, in Genesis 2.25, it says in the Bible, this is pre the fall, and it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they knew no shame of all the words that God could have said that they didn't know. They they weren't cold. They weren't afraid. They weren't this. Nope. It's that they didn't experience shame, which lets me know that we were never meant to experience shame. It's got to be heavy if it was worth putting in there. And so then they eat of the tree. They immediately feel shame. And what do they do? They hide. The second question in the whole entire Bible is, where are you? God asking them, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. God, when he asks us, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know. I think he's giving us the opportunity to pause and look at where we are. Because I think that's what sin does. That's what shame does is as soon as we mess up or we get off track, but specifically when shame comes in, we want to run. We like scatter like roaches when a light comes on. We panic. We want to get away from the light because we now are filled with darkness. And I've been there, so I know it. And it is just so heartbreaking that when shame comes in, we hide. And I can only speak from my own experience, but instead of stopping the behavior or behaviors that brought the shame, or suppose something was done to you that brought you shame, often instead of running to a safe place and to a place where those things can't happen to us anymore and with someone who's loving and caring and can either protect us or cover us or hold us when we're violated or someone who can hold us accountable if we have not been um, you know, living holy if we've been making decisions, often what we do is we just run deeper into the darkness and we end up in places and spaces and situations that God never intended us to be in. And at a certain point, we don't know which way is out. We don't know which way is up. We see no light. And that is the lie of the enemy. And it's a sweet spot that he loves to keep us in. There was a I'm going to look at it right now. I I saw a quote on Pinterest about shame, and it was, it's by Brene Brown, who I'm not necessarily endorsing any of these people. It's just a good quote. So, Um, but it says, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we're capable of change. And that's true. Shame comes in. And when we get excited about changing, when we get excited about You know, it can be in so many areas. Let's say it's about working out and eating better. We're going to feel like we wake up, we feel good. We're going to, we're going to work out today. And we do. We're going to eat healthy today. And we do. We're on day five. We have momentum. We're feeling good. And then you have a rough day at work. You have a fight with a friend. You and your boyfriend break up. Your husband's rude to you. 
there's something that happens and then you binge. All of that work you put in for the last five days is over. You sabotaged it. You ruined it. You're so fat. You're the, that is shame. And it is so demonic. If you're someone who, like myself, has a relationship with God and you said, I'm going to save myself for marriage. I wasn't doing that for my parents' sake. I wasn't doing that for the church's sake. I sincerely had a relationship with God. I was walking with him. I could feel his heart for my life. And I desired that more than anything else. I don't want to have sex or be intimate, not just sex, but I just, I don't want an intimate relationship with anyone who's not my husband. I want to give all of myself to that one person. And it's not like I woke up one day and said, you know what? I just want to have sex today. That, that was not the case. There were slow increments. The enemy actually started chipping away from childhood at my self-worth and my confidence through friendships, through even adults, <laughs> adult interactions. Um, it's not like one day I woke up and I just had no self-worth. These were instrumental strategic attacks against me and against my spirit until then. Now I'm not going to say it's all in the enemy because I had free will. I had choices. But the beautiful thing about God is that he wasn't mad at me. So here I am experiencing shame, immediately feeling not worthy of anything, not worthy of love, not worthy of God's love, not worthy of, you know, the man that I used to dream about marrying, who was a man of God. I was like, well, shoot, I got to really lower my standards and lower my expectations because the man that I wanted and the man that got like, what if my husband saved himself for me? The moment he finds out I didn't do the same, he's going to be out and I don't blame him. You know, he deserves someone who honored themselves and honored the temple that is their body. And it was just all these shame thoughts and shame internal voices talking to me. Not a single one of those was God. And do you know, for a very long time, I did not go to God with them. I knew he knew, but it was just too painful. And the interesting thing is when I look even in scripture, it's like the moment they felt shame, they hid. So it makes me think like, well, how do you combat shame? Well, I think it's to do the opposite of hiding, which is to run into the light. And I think as far as like a practical example of that is at night when you're by yourself in your room, even though God knows everything and we don't have to say anything, I think sometimes it's the act of saying it out loud so we can hear it that brings us closer to him. Um, Yes, he is a mind reader, but there's something really beautiful about practicing communing with God. Just that, that, I guess just being vulnerable with him. Like he, if we truly believe that he is um, the savior of the universe, but more than that, that he died for us, like that's the most intimate thing. That's the most intimate relationship ever. Most people wouldn't die for a stranger, but you would probably die for your child or take the place of someone that you really care about. That's intimacy. And that's what he did for us. So just practicing being intimate with him and just sharing everything is definitely the first step. The second step, I think, is being vulnerable and open with safe people. I cannot stress that enough. 
that might be a professional, a therapist, it might be a pastor, it might be a group of your friends or just two or three really good, um, you know, girlfriends or guy friends or whatever who share your values, who can pray over you, who can cover you, who um, will walk with you through this. I cannot stress enough how destructive it can be to bear your soul to an unsafe person. The shame can actually go deeper because here what you're doing, vulnerability is literally exposing yourself. Like think of an open heart surgery. You want a skilled physician there. You want someone who's going to be loving and caring and kind because you are open. You don't want someone who's going to be harsh or hard or who has their own issues that they're going to be rough with you in that moment and in that season. And I think sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we have shame about the fact that we don't have safe people. Sometimes we have shame about the fact that, dang, my mom is supposed to love me. She, I see these other people and they have great relationships with their mom. My mom isn't safe and I feel shame about that. The enemy will, will try to stack shame on top of you in any way, any chance he can get. And I just want to encourage you that you do not have to live in that dark place and you can say no, but it will take courage. It will take boldness and it will take some work because if you don't have safe people in your world, there's no shame in that, but you might have to work to make some changes in your life and get around some different people. Um, there's a there's a speaker, Lisa Harper, who I absolutely love. If you ever need encouragement and want like sound Bible teaching and context, look up Lisa Harper. She's amazing um, and funny too. <laughs> but I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think it was a panel of women, but she was talking about therapy for herself and was talking about change and how her the way her therapist or counselor, I might be misspeaking, but the way um, that they kind of the analogy they gave her is right now in your life, you're doing a dance with everyone that's in your world. And everyone you're in relationship with, you're doing a dance. And when you start to make changes, when you want to live more holy or you want to get healed or you want to um, just adjust your life and attune it more to what God has for you, oftentimes that change really, it, it steps on people's toes and it throws a wrench in, in your current dance because you might be all doing the tango. And then you want to make some changes. So all of a sudden you're doing the waltz. You're not doing the same steps anymore. So they're stepping on your toes. You're stepping on their toes. And it throws off the rhythm with everyone in your world, even with their rhythms with each other sometimes. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who really profit off of us staying where we are and don't want us to grow. They don't want us to change. And unfortunately, sometimes those are the closest people to us. And when you start wanting to change, they'll remind you of your shame. They'll remind you of the darkness that you came from. They remind you of, well, this is how you've always been. You're not, you know, if you come from a family with, you know, that has food addiction and all of a sudden you're like, I really want to eat healthy. They're going to be like, who do you think you are eating a salad or drinking a smoothie or, you know, I went through nutrition school and I heard a lot of um, lectures on a lot of people who were talking about, gosh, or even moms, you know, and they're like my husband or not moms necessarily, but wives or people who are just like, wow, you know, I really want to make these changes, but my partner doesn't. And I feel so alone and they're constantly making jokes at me and they're trying to sabotage me and 
that really says more about them than it does about you if that's happening, but it doesn't make it easier. And so I just know that it is tough. It takes courage. It takes guts. It takes bravery to face those things and to bring them into the light. But as someone who has done it with many things, um, I don't know that there's anything more worth it. It is so healing to finally stop carrying around the weight and the burden that comes along with shame. It doesn't feel good to feel like you're hiding everything or hiding from people. And I loved this. This is, a, I think, a pretty well-known quote, but the difference between guilt and shame is guilt says, I did something wrong, and shame says, I am wrong. Guilt says, I made a mistake, and shame says, I'm the mistake. Shame makes it personal. So if there's something that comes to mind when you're thinking that, or if that's your internal talk and you're like, I don't even know what I feel shame over, but I I am wrong. <laughs> like, I'm a mistake. That's so not the heart of God for you. And there's, I have a couple like signs of feelings of shame. The first one is you don't let people see your mistakes. How comfortable are you to fail in front of people? I used to be deadly, like deathly afraid of failing in front of anyone, failing in general, but especially in front of others. Because when I was younger, I was made to feel very stupid and very foolish if I messed up or if I said something wrong. And that led to years of not speaking up, not being myself. The second one is you don't like your body. Do you look in the mirror and shame yourself? I, there's a spoken word. I'm going to try to link it in the show notes here. There's a spoken word by um, the beautiful Hosanna Wong. And if you have ever had any sort of um, body shaming issues, whether it's by someone else or yourself, you need to listen to this. It is so powerful and so profound. And kind of one of the things she says in it is instead of looking at your body as a size or a certain look, the only box we need to check with God is just, we got a body that's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body is just a temple. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to take care of it and, um, you know, exercise and eat right and all of that. I'm not, I'm not knocking being healthy, but there is definitely a shame culture where if you don't fit into X, Y, or Z, you're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of friends. You're not worthy to wear that, which is just such bull. Um, signs of feelings of shame, you hide your emotion. Do you hide your emotions? Same as I said before, like I hid my mistakes. I definitely hid my emotions. I wouldn't be emotional in front of anyone. My family, luckily, was they were safe people. But anyone outside of my family, it was just, I was made to feel really dumb. So I hid my emotions. Um, you're afraid that others will, re- will reject you. I think a lot of us have dealt with bad rejection. You think that others are judging you. You believe that no one will ever love you. And the last one is you feel like you have little impact. If you ever feel any of those things, you might be dealing with shame. Chances are you are dealing with shame. But the beauty is you are not meant to 
have that, to hold that, to experience that. In fact, God wants to set you free right now, and he can. There's a quote by Lisa Turkhurst, and it says, Jesus isn't trying to expose you to put shame on you. He's trying to expose the sin that has its chains around you. And if you think of shame as chains, we got to shake those off because otherwise we're walking through life, we're trudging through life, and it gets heavy. It gets hard. We have to bring the shame to light, whether it's directly, well, not whether, it needs to be directly to God, and it also needs to be with safe people, people that will walk alongside of you. There's a verse, Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5, and it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And if I can encourage you, if you deal with shame, if you've been dealing with shame, and if you're deciding that, you know what, I don't want the enemy to steal another second from my life. You guys, I can't tell you, I, I lost 10 years of my life to shame because of something that was half done to me and something that I chose. But I lost 10 years of my life not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, so crying out for a husband and a man of God, but not feeling worthy of him. And until I got that settled, until I I got healed from that, I truly don't believe God could have brought my husband. He couldn't have brought Kellen. Because had he brought him before I got healed, I would have self-sabotaged. And maybe that's one of you listening today, your desire is to be married or your desire is to have an intimate relationship with your husband or, but you don't feel worthy of it. And the unfortunate thing, the bad news is that while, as long as you don't believe you're worthy, you'll never actually enjoy it. But the good news is God, Jesus can set you free and you can live that fullness that you know is in there somewhere. I don't know about you guys, but even in my my darkest, most shameful moments, I felt this like, but I know that it can be better. I just don't know if it ever will be better, but I know like this is what I want to feel. I just don't know if it's for me to feel. And if you have ever experienced that, I want to tell you it is for you. Like God has the best life for you. And maybe you've been dealing with shame for, you know, since last night or a month or 10 years or 30 or whatever it is. Today can be the end. You can start making steps tonight or wherever you are today to put shame in the rear view mirror. It does take courage. It does take boldness. But what I can tell you is that it's worth it. It is worth it over and over and over. And if you're on this journey to shake off this shame and take your thoughts captive, And move forward into this beautiful new you that you know you can be. You know God's called you to be. Something that is so helpful is to speak to the thoughts of shame with your words. And speak verses like this one. Psalms 34, 4 and 5. And I'm going to say it again. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. As long as your face is looking straight at Jesus, you will never be covered with shame. And the enemy and people around you might try to put that on you, but their opinion no longer matters. They don't get a vote in your life. Your life is between you and God. Don't give 
shame another second. I love you guys so much. I'm praying for you. And remember, that guilt, I feel like I'm, or, you know, guilt is, oh, I made a mistake. Shame is, I am the mistake. Guilt is, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. Say no to shame. Guilt is okay. Guilt can be healthy. If you did something wrong, make amends. Repent. Go back to the top. Be like, Lord, I'm sorry. But if there's shame, I just encourage you to run into the light. Let that light burn it up, baby. I believe in you. Whether something was ha- whether something happened to you and you were violated as a child or in the church or wherever, or you willingly walked into a situation that you probably should have, or if before you even knew Jesus, you made some mistakes, it's all covered under the blood. And he is right there to walk through this with you. And pray, ask God to show you those people, those safe people that will continue to walk through all of this with you and that can pray for you and hold you accountable because we can't do life alone. We were never meant to, even in the garden. It literally, in Genesis, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper. We need people to help us. We need people to help us through life. So ask God, if you don't have a community of helpers, ask God for those. He'll show them to you. He'll point them out to you. All right, guys, I love you so much, and I will see you on the next one.